0: praise you Jesus you are worthy of all praise we worship you we come before you with a posture of humility surrender submission to you Holy Spirit we humble ourselves we thank you that you're here with us Father thank you that you're here with us Jesus, we give you all the glory. Hallelujah. We're going to move into a time of uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper. And um, I have a few things I want to share, but we'll come and get the elements first. Uh, You can come down these center aisles. And then just wrap around to your back to your seat. Um, if you're gluten-free, the tray in the center of the table uh, has gluten-free uh, little bread on it, so you can grab from there. So go ahead and come up to the front. We had prayer and worship this past Wednesday. And one of the things that the Lord was just speaking to us as we worshiped and prayed um, was just how much he loves us. And how he's forgiven us of our sins. And um, last night I was reminded of David and how he was a man after God's own heart. And the reason that he was a man after God's own heart... Wasn't because of how good he was with a slingshot or leading the military or being able just to lead people in general, but it was because of his heart for repentance. And in First Samuel thirteen, Samuel is talking to King Saul, who had continually disobeyed God and he never would repent. And and this is what what um, Samuel says. He says to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which, you, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not com- kept the, what the Lord commanded you. David was a man, when you read through the Psalms, he constantly was crying out to God, and when he sinned, he would constantly repent quickly and humble himself. And so this morning, in 1 Corinthians 11, where we often read about the Lord's Supper, Paul tells us to examine our hearts. He tells us to look inside. And that's what this whole time is for, is for us to commune with Jesus, because On that cross, he died for our sins so we could be set free. And I don't know what sins you've had in your life this week or in general. Whatever it is, Jesus paid for all of them. He separates them from us as far as the east is from the west. Who here can measure the east to the west? None of us. That's a long distance. And so let's just take a moment and come before him because he loves us. Everybody say, Jesus loves me. Jesus Jesus loves me. He loves you. So just take a few moments. Quiet your hearts. Talk to him. Repent of whatever you need to repent of. And then we'll, in a few moments, take together. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love, for your grace, your unmerited favor upon us, that you would send your only son to die for us so that way we could be set free from sin forever and know you personally and intimately as our Father. Jesus, we thank you so much for laying down your life for us so we could know you and know the Father and be filled with you and become one with you. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us drink together. Praise you, Jesus. Um, If you could all stand, we're going to continue to worship. We have another song to sing. And as you do, I just want to encourage you all... um, I don't know if any of you know Ed, who sits back here. You can raise your hand, Ed. He's in the back. Uh, He came to worship and prayer on Wednesday, and we had about six of us here, um, not including uh, who was playing. But he had two legions on his back, and uh, he came up front, and he kind of shared his testimony a little bit about some things in his life and the two legions on his back. And uh, he was supposed to go to, was it Wexford? Uh, Wexford Wexford, to see a dermatologist. I guess it's the only place they could get you in. So he was supposed to go down to have them examine them. But he came up. We laid hands on him, all of us, anointed him with oil. And he went home. And then over this week, I guess there were scabs there. And he said he picked them off. And the legions are gone. The bumps, anything that he felt are completely gone in Jesus' name. So it's another miracle, marked by miracles. So as we worship God this morning, I encourage you to come up to the front um, if you would like to or wherever you're at, but just seek his face because he wants to do miracles in each of our lives, and he wants us to go out and do miracles, bringing him glory in the people's lives around us. And so um, let's worship him wholeheartedly this morning and give him praise, all right? I love that line your way is better his way is better amen Amen. his way is better it's something the lord tells me a lot because there's always things we can look at like if you have a desire for something you're looking this way you're looking that way he always says i have something better for you don't look backwards keep your eyes ahead right keep your eyes ahead because we're following jesus amen And his way is better. It's better than we can imagine. Think about the promise of heaven. It's beyond anything we can imagine. Comprehend. His way is better. I just want to, uh, before we continue on here, um, a few things I want to pray for. Um, First thing is, I don't know, if a lot of you probably know Becky Starvaji, who usually sits over here. Um, her and her husband, Frank, uh, they had a son, have a son named Lee, who passed away unexpectedly uh, over this week from health conditions, and um, so I would like to, everybody just to keep them in your prayers. We'll, we'll pray for them. Uh, he had two grown sons and, um, and a wife, and so we'll keep, we're going to pray for them. Uh, there is a viewing and a funeral tomorrow, uh, Monday at the Duskus Taylor Funeral Home in Harbor Creek. And um, it starts at 3 o'clock. Service is at 7 if you uh, want to attend that. Um, A couple updates. A few, uh, about a month ago, beginning of June, uh, if you remember, Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz were up here, and we had two major things going on with the Brooks family. Their son, Caleb Brooks, was at the Pittsburgh Children's Hospital um, for... uh, Stomach and intestinal issues, and then my little nephew Chucky, uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia uh, at the same time, and they were actually both down at the hospital. And I was like, "Chuck, you need to go talk to Josh." And they met and prayed with each other and all of that. Uh, Some updates because I want to pray for them. Caleb, he is um, not in as much pain as he was when he was in the hospital, but he still is having issues with his uh, stomach, with his digestion. And right now, um, they want to do a, they, they're scheduled to do a scope to go inside and check his colon, but also check two legions uh, somewhere in his stomach here. Um, but the, the scope is not till October 19th. And so um, we're going to pray about that. And then update on Chucky. Uh, Chucky, when he was diagnosed, was 70 percent leukemia in his blood. He uh, finished his first round of treatments, so he was, he was high risk um, with leukemia. Uh, he's at 1.28%. He's at 1.28% now. So praise the Lord for that huge drop. Um, yes. He is uh, scheduled to go into another round of treatments, though, because 0% is remission, so they got to get him to 0%. So uh, he, his treatments are going to be four a week for four weeks with a two-week break in between. And so I just want to lift up uh, these three, uh, the Starvajis, Caleb Brooks, and continue to rally around Caleb Brooks and, and Chucky, just for God's miracle-working power, because we, he can do it. He is able. And so let's pray for these things, uh, and then we'll transition into greeting and all that. Father, we, we humble ourselves before you again. We thank you, Father, that you hear us when we pray, and we come to you in the name of Jesus we just honor you and we praise you for what you're doing Lord we pray right now for the Starvajis Lord that you would comfort bring peace and comfort to Becky and Frank and to Lee's wife and children we ask for your peace that passes understanding over this time just to consume their hearts and minds that they would know you that they would hear your voice more clearly than ever Lord Jesus And in this time of grief, Lord, that they would just be, just feel your presence in their home, wherever they go, just surrounding them. Lord, bring them the wonderful memories that they have and let them constantly be looking to heaven, to the future of seeing him again. And we just thank you for your faithfulness in those deep valleys, Father, to stay with us and never leave us nor forsake us and walk us through them. And Lord, we lift up Caleb Brooks to you right now, Father. Lord, we ask you for favor with the doctors. Lord, that he would be able to have that scope sooner. However, Father, I come before you, we come before you believing for just a complete miracle. Lord, that everything would change right now in his body. Lord, God, that the legions would leave. Lord, God, that his digestive tract would work. Lord, that he'd be able to go to the bathroom easily, Father. That all of it would just take place. That your hand would touch him. We stand in faith, believing, trusting you walking with you in this, Father. Lord, we pray that his faith, Father, would grow in this time, that he would know you, that Caleb would know you in a deep way in this moment, Father God, and that you would strengthen Josh and Jess and their children, Lord God, as they continue to stand in faith. And we rally around them, and we also rally around Chucky right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask you and we thank you for what you have done, and what you are going to do in bringing this leukemia into remission and completely gone from his life in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for a complete miracle in his body. Lord, these treatments, Father God, would not bring side effects in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and that he would just continue to get stronger. Lord, strengthen Charles and Brenda and grace, Father, in Jesus' name that their faith would not waver, not, none of our faith would waver. Lord, we fully trust you, and we thank you for what you're doing. And we just give you all the praise and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Awesome. All right, so um, if this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Pastor Andy. Again, uh, Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz, who are the senior pastors, they are away today. So I welcome you. Uh, we do have connection cards in the front of the, or the back of the seats. It should be in front of you. Please uh, feel free to fill them out and give us as much or as little information as you'd like. And um, we just want to welcome you and thank you for coming, being a part of uh, Erie Christian Fellowship today. Also, if you're, not, or if you're not a first-time guest, please fill them out and let us know that you are here. And uh, you can put your praise, re- praise reports and prayer requests on those, and we will be uh, celebrating with you and also praying. We send out a prayer email and let people know what to pray for. Um, If you'd like to be on that email and you're not, just let me know and we'll get you on there. Um, Kids, we have our kids' table in the back to go ahead and get your bags. You can do that in just one moment. And then offering buckets will be up front here. And there's an offering box in the back to place your offering. And um, is there anything else I have to say? Oh, family room is open. Uh, When you go out these doors, straight back, there's a room you'll see the lights on. Um, if you have children that are older than uh, three and they are just not able to, they're getting a little bit restless in here and the bags aren't handling things, you're welcome to go into that room with them and um, the, the message will be playing in there and you can enjoy some comfort and let them get their energy out there too as well. So, all right, let's greet each other for eight minutes. Okay. <laughs>
1: Hello. Um, I have a few announcements if you guys want to take your seats. Um, so first announcement is summer nights. Is it, raise your hand if you've been to a summer night. Great. You don't get anything for raising your hand, but that's great. If, and I'm sure everyone that's gone has like really liked it because we've had really good time. And last Friday, we had it at um, the softball game at Erie First. And um, it'll be the same thing this coming Friday on the 15th. Um, If you want to come at 5, that's when there's, like, food and everything and activities. And then the game is at 630, and that's at the Erie First Field, like it was this past Friday. Um, And then next is we have a worship night this Saturday at um here at 7 p.m and that's the 16th um it starts at 7 and it's in the sanctuary here and we're going to be um in partnership with conduit church from jamestown and that's going to be great we've done that a few times so um make sure you mark that down on your calendars because that's going to be a really good time as well and um this coming Sunday, next Sunday, July 17th, Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall are going to be here. Um, if, I'm sure most of you have heard Jeremy speak before. He's a really great speaker, super energetic, and um, really encourages everyone he speaks to and anything he's talking about is really great and learn a lot. Um, so they're coming next Sunday, the 17th, and they're also coming back to speak on the 31st as well. So, yeah, that'll be great. Thanks.
0: Am I on now? Oh, there we go. Yeah, uh, Summer Nights has been a blast. So, um, we had our softball game. We played, I think, the number one team this past week, and they are fantastic home run hitters, let me tell you. But... (laughs) We, but we did. They won uh, twenty-two to thirteen, but our guys fought back the whole time, and we scored thirteen runs. So awesome, right? So praise the Lord. We're getting better, and um, it's just a lot of fun. So uh, we appreciate all the support on the sidelines. But all right, for offering this morning, I'm going to use a verse from Mark 10, and uh, verse 28 through 31 says this. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all, so they were talking to Jesus. See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. Sorry if I'm ringing here. Move this down. Uh, Who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. You know, as we serve the Lord, and as we follow him and obey him in everything, including our giving, or he promises to uh, provide for us, to give us everything that we need. Friends and family, houses, food, clothes, everything. He told us, why do you worry about anything in Matthew chapter six? He says, The birds of the air don't worry about anything. And lately, you know what's been weird? I always see birds like flying like right in front of my car. You know, I'm like, what is going on with these birds? I'm like, how do they survive? You know, like so many of them, they don't get hit. I always look to see if the bird didn't get hit. But I just keep seeing birds a lot. And there was this bird sitting right out here um, in the mulch. Uh, up by the Rose Center and it had three eggs in a nest and oh the mom was ferocious she would come at you with her wings and and I don't know why the nest wasn't in a tree but you know it was on the ground and she sat there for I don't know a couple weeks uh, every day and you know the birds don't worry The eggs hatched they flew away they she took them somewhere and um, and uh, they just don't worry about anything and so we don't need to either the Lord will provide for us and take care of us. So always know, as you give, as you are generous towards God, whether it's here or the people around you in your everyday life, the Lord sees it, and it pleases him, it honors him, and he will take care of you. Amen? Amen. All right. Father, we thank you so much that you are so good and gracious in giving towards us, and thank you that we can give to you by bringing our tithes and offerings, Lord. And I just ask you to bless them, cause them to multiply and to prosper. Lord, for your kingdom and for your glory here at Erie Christian Fellowship. Lord God, and I pray just a blessing over every person here, Lord, that they would know that you are their provider, and that they would walk in your peace concerning everything they have need of. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So this message, um, I can't really do messages where I don't feel like I'm, I always feel like I'm not going to finish them. Um, there's a ton of verses. This is not going to be a three-point message. It's going to be like dozens of point message, Um, but I'm going to try to get it done here before, before it's too late here. But um, anyways, the title of the message today, I feel like it's a very important message. It has been for me and what God's been doing in my life. I'm preaching from my life, um, which I normally do, but I'm preaching this message uh, from my life over the past few years here and what the Lord's been talking to me about. And the title is going to be Walk, Don't Run. Walk, don't run. So um, how many of you have ever grown up, and, or have ever grown up, how many of you, as you grew up as little children, remember your parents telling you to walk, don't run? Anybody? Yeah. So my grandpa, he, ha- he always had this in-ground pool, um, which now we, are, we, we have it now. We, I'm taking care of it with my dad. But there's always like, it's like a sidewalk around the pool, and then there was like white rocks around the sidewalk, and when we were little kids, you know, we just wanted to get to that diving board as fast as possible, would just run, jump off the side, and my grandpa would always be like, walk, don't run, and just constantly tell us to to not run, and so um, today we're going to be talking about walking and walking with God, and um, it's a very interesting uh, concept because we live in a day where Everybody's going at full speed. Who here feels like your life is pretty busy in general? The pace is just kind of unmanageable sometimes. Maybe maybe your physical life is unmanageable, like the speed of your life at each week. Also, our spiritual lives can feel like it's just go, 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 go. And um, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know if you've noticed, but the whole speed of the world is moving faster and faster. And there's a natural speeding up, in life, as you age, so how many of you remember, you know, growing up? Summers and summer vacation lasted forever, and when you were in like elementary school, for me, that's the way it was, you know. And then as you get older, time seems to fly. And I looked it up, and I guess there's a science to it. Um, is this ringing at all? Still too loud? Good. Okay. There's a there's a science to it regarding the uh, the speed at which uh, we go through life, and It says, um, as a child, you're processing information much quicker because it's all new, and because there's so much, it makes time seem like it's moving slower. But as you get older, you've already processed many things. So you're processing things slower, which actually makes the speed feel faster. And I don't know if that makes sense to me, but um, that's what the science says. Uh, That's one part of it. Um, Despite the science, though, there's many things, there's a number of reasons why We feel things speeding up um, and seems unmanageable, like our time seems unmanageable at times. And the first thing is prophecies and signs of what will happen before Jesus come are happening at much quicker pace. Would you agree? I I cannot deny it. And, um, you know, with those things, there's a lot of turmoil that happens in the world. It causes fear and worry and anxiety. And when people get afraid, we start to panic right? And um, as people see dreams and desires becoming maybe more and more unattainable, um, we either begin to rush to attain those things that we want and hope, and hope for, or we go into like a state of depression and uh, just kind of collapse. So that's one reason. Another reason that things seem to be speeding up in life is because of technology. How many of you are technology lovers? That's a few of us. How have you despise it? few of you? Okay. All right. Well, technology, whether you love it or despise it, has caused life to move much faster. Technology advances and doubles every two years, roughly. I have a list of statistics here. Uh, computer speeds have been doubling every year. I'm sorry, every one and a half to two years since 1960. AI industry, artificial intelligence, is growing by 16.4% year over year. billion internet users in the world. 5.29 billion mobile phone users. How many of you still have the flip phone? Okay, we got anybody? Yeah, okay. I tried to hold off on cell phones for as long as possible, but eventually they sucked me in. Um, uh, 38.6 billion um, lot-connected devices, so smartwatches, iPads, things like that. 38.6 billion of them. 1.35 million tech startups in the world. 93% of U.S. adults use the Internet. Estimated 90% of the world's data was collected over the last two years. Every second, 127 new devices connect to the Internet. Every second. More technological advancement has happened in the last 150 years than the previous 2,000. Another thing is information is instantly passed now. So technology has increased, the signs of the time have increased, and information being passed around the world has increased. Social media platforms have become how we live, communicate, entertain, buy, and sell, and learn. How many of you use apps to learn new languages? There's, yeah, there's, all, there's an app for everything. One billion active, there are one billion active Instagram users a day. Over 200 million business profiles on Instagram, 500 million tweets a day on Twitter, 294 billion emails a day. That's a lot of emails. That's a lot of information. Four million gigabytes of Facebook data are stored every day. 720,000 hours of new content added to YouTube every day. That's a ton of videos. We have news being pumped into our TVs, our phones, our watches from around the whole world every single day. And the increase of technology and the ability to communicate um, and acquire and send information while it was intended for us to become more productive and live easier lives, it's actually backfired. And as humans, we're easily addicted to all kinds of stuff. And now we are as a society, addicted to instant gratification, right? How many of you love the microwave? I use the microwave all the time. Um, how many of you use Amazon to buy? How many of you use Grubhub, <laughs> right? How many of you, um, let's see who I got, stream all your entertainment? You know, I grew up in the days before, the, before computers were, like, in every home, And then when we first got our first computer, you know, it was dial up and it made those weird, uh, all those weird noises. And it took like five minutes to get online. And now it's like you can have everything within a second's time. And so we are instant. We love instant gratification. We love convenience. We love just being able to do things this fast. Um, And older generations now have been retrained. And younger generations are taught that we are always to move forward. There's no limits to how fast you can go and how far you can go. We're overstimulated and overscheduled. We're taught to earn more, work until you die. There's no time to waste. Take less breaks. Industry and business is the same. I worked in the manufacturing business, and we went uh, just for, like, over the last mm, six, seven years And we went from like a $15 million company to a $25 million company. And the crazy thing is, you know, they added some employees, but not enough to handle the workload. And so the increase of production is, you know, being, uh, is happening and being forced, but they're not hiring enough people. And so then uh, those workers are forced to work more hours over time, which a lot of them love it because they want to keep making that dollar, right? But that's what we're taught. Um, we're taught to learn faster. If you don't know what you're supposed to do with life, with your life in middle school, and don't have an idea, of, and you don't have an idea of what your college will be uh, at that time, you're already behind. We are taught that we have to be able to care about every tragedy that happens around the world. You know, before all the news got to us on our phones, you know, we didn't know a lot. It took time to find out what was going on in the world. Now, you know, if you don't know every detail about everything going on in the world and don't change your Facebook profile to have the flag of the the nation that's going to war that you're going to side with, then, you know, there's something wrong. Um, We no longer know what's real news or fake news, so we're always having to scavenge and try to find out what's actually happening. Political division in the country is clear in the world. Um, Other things going on, obesity, depression, anxiety, attention disorders, learning disabilities... New allergies are affecting young children right on up to adults at alarming rates. Uh, the, U- the annual, this is an interesting statistic, uh, US, annual U.S. suicide rates have increased 30% between 2000 and 2020. In 2020, there were 1.2 million suicide attempts. It's all due to just increased pace of life, stress, fear, worry, and hopelessness that comes with all of it. The world wants justice, but there's no one who wants to take responsibility. People don't want to pull the planks out of their own eyes. Evil is called good, and good evil. All of this, plus having, you know, crazy political seasons, and then also going through COVID, I mean, it really messed people up. It messed the world up. And um, it leaves people's hearts cold, and love tanks empty, and... Fear of loss and, and hopelessness just come crashing in. So the pace of the world is, on a, is at an urgent and all-out sprint, and this addiction to efficiency and instant gratification has permeated, permeated, unfortunately, the church as well. Our relationship with God and how we spend time with him and communicate with him oftentimes mirrors a social media post, a response. I know it has for me at times. You know, you, you, you want to spend time with God, but, you know, you, you hop on Facebook or you hop on on instagram or something you just kind of scroll through and pretty soon you're going through this death scroll looking for something and a lot of times our relationship with god can be just like that you know we'll see him as google and uh you know we have a question we go to google so we we'll see god as google we'll ask him the question try to get an answer look in the bible listen for a quick second maybe get a quick answer and then x out and that's our relationship with god we x out for for a time until we need google again and as a church, thankfully, I don't see, that this doesn't happen here, but, you know, churches as a whole, you know, oftentimes run, rush through their gatherings and, and don't give the Holy Spirit time to move. And something that we've really worked on doing is slowing down here in that regards um, more and more. Uh, living at, a, at this urgent sprint speed has caused immense tiredness. Who has feel, felt tiredness? Anybody? Raise your hand. You can just keep these up here. Uh, Tiredness, uncertainty. Apathy. So apathy is where you just stop kind of caring for a lot of things. I mean, if you wake up in the morning, you're like, I just don't care (laughs) about something. We all feel it. But apathy can cause us to not care about the things of God or for people. Apathy is a lukewarm style of living, which the Bible talks about, how Jesus spit out the water of the Laodicean church because they were lukewarm, um, which is detrimental to your salvation. Christianity and even the belief in God is at a decline statistically in the U.S. Many are leaving church and haven't come back since COVID. And even the message that Jesus is coming back can cause Christians to become afraid and disappointed because they still want to experience the things in this current life that they feel they'll miss out on. How many of you have ever felt like, I'm going to miss out on something? I'm going to miss out in this life. I know I personally have. So God did not create people to live at this type of this type of life, nor did He create the church to live this type of life, and it's not possible without without self-destruction. And um, as many of us try to slow down and regroup with God and rest, um, a lot of times our rest can cannot bring us uh, restoration. How many of you have tried to take a rest, but you don't feel revived afterwards? Yeah. Or you go on a vacation, but then when you get done with your vacation, you feel like you need another vacation? Right? Okay. That's a, that's a problem, right? That's, that means we don't actually know how to rest in a way that's going to bring life and restore our soul and our hearts and our minds and our bodies. So what are we to do? How are we supposed to live? What was God's intent for us in this time of life, in this, his, this part of history? Because we're living... In the last days, which we know are going to be kind of crazy. What do we make of it, and is it possible to live it at a uh, healthy pace? And the Lord wants you to know today that it is possible. All right? It is possible. So how do we do it? How do we live a pace, the right pace that God is moving at? The first question we have to answer is this. What is the speed God intended us to live at? What is the speed God intended us to live at? The answer is walking speed. How many of you like to walk? I know I do, especially after breaking my leg last September and not walking for like three months. Walking speed. The average walking speed of humans is two and a half to four miles per hour, a 15 to 20 minute mile. That's it. Walk, if you look up the word walk in the Bible, it comes up 390 times in the King James Version. And it comes in like walk, walketh, walked, walkest, walking, all those terms. It comes up 390 times in the Bible. The speed we were intended to live at is walking speed. God commanded us to walk with him. In Leviticus 18:1 through 4 it says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God, according to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the things of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. We are commanded to walk through this life with God. God himself moves at walking speed. In Genesis 3.8, God came to Adam and Eve after they had sinned walking. It says this. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking, physically, walking in the garden of the, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the, of the garden. Adam and Eve had just committed the greatest sin just through the world into, you know, the sin nature brought the curse of sin upon the whole world and upon themselves, and Jesus, he didn't... He knew. He knew they did it, but how did he come to them? Did he come freaking out? No. He came walking in the cool of the morning. Jesus walks. He walks. Enoch walked with God. Genesis 5, 22. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Verse 24, and Enoch... Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. How many would love that? <laughs> he is going to take us one day when he comes back. Next, Noah walked with God, Genesis six nine. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked with God, Genesis thirteen seventeen. God told him, "Arise, walk in the land." Through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Amen. Genesis seventeen one, when Abraham was ninety nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, "I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless." Genesis twenty two forty. This is Abraham's servant speaking to Rebecca's family. He says, "But he, Abraham, said to me, the Lord before whom I walk will send His angel." with you and prosper your way and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house and then God tells Israel that he himself moves at walking speed Leviticus 26 12 I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people God's a walker Jesus is a walker we're going to look at that in a little bit he only ran for fun if he he ran at all I mean, I'm sure he did, but he didn't run for any other reason than for fun, because as you're going to see, he only walks, or he comes to full stop. So God walked, and the greatest men and women of the Bible walked with God, both physically and in the, in the pace of their life with God. So the next thing that we must understand then, you know, what is the pace we're supposed to live at? Walking speed. The next thing we need to understand is God is never in a rush, You know, we live a very rushed life. We live a life where we're constantly going, going, going. But God is never in a rush. God is not about the instant gratification. He moves at a strategically slow pace. Think about how he tolerated the sin of mankind from creation until Noah. Noah was the last righteous man standing in the earth. And it took just under 1,700 years. He moves at a slow pace. He waited that long for people to turn to him. They all turned away, except for one. Think about how long he waited to bring the promise of a son to Abraham. Abraham was 100 years old. I think he left left uh, his homeland when he was like 70, and so I mean, figure 30 years before he actually had his promised son. Israel in the wilderness. How many remember the story of the Exodus? Yeah. So... They cross the Red Sea, which is a miracle in itself, and then they come into the wilderness. And how long did it take them before they went into the promised land? Who knows? 40 years. God took 40 years to teach the children of Israel like the one lesson of trust me. That wouldn't fly in school nowadays, would it? You're going to take 40 years to learn this one lesson. God taught Israel Uh, for 40 years to trust him listen to deuteronomy 1 i'm sorry 8 deuteronomy 8 1 through 7 this is the new living translation says be careful to obey this is moses speaking be careful to obey all the commands i am giving you today then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the lord swore to give your ancestors Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out of the valleys and the hills. And then he goes on to speak of more blessings. But God took 40 years... Now, he was waiting, obviously, for those, those uh, men of fighting age to die off so that way he could raise up a generation who was going to trust him and believe him and walk by faith. But he took 40 years. So why does God move slowly? As you go through the Bible, you're going to see God does not rush anything, ever. He takes his time. Why does God move slowly? One, because he knows everything. He knows every single thing. He knows every thought of every person In the whole world, before they think it, he knows how many blades of grass are in our property. Every hair on your head. He knows everything. Psalm 139 talks about how God knows the thoughts and the words you're going to speak. He knows everything. Uncertainty causes us to fear and to freak and move quickly. But God, because he knows everything, he doesn't have to worry about anything. He's not afraid of anything. He doesn't have to rush anything. The other thing is, nothing is impossible for him. Amen? We read that in Mark 10 uh, this week in our reading. All things, Mark 10, 27, Jesus says, all things are possible with God. All things. So nothing is impossible for him. So why does he have to worry or fear? He doesn't. He doesn't worry or fear. He is love. Fear has no part of him. He doesn't have to move quickly because nothing is impossible for him. He's so patient and merciful, desiring that none should perish, giving people ample time to repent. Second Peter three eight and nine. This is an important verse. It says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing: that with the Lord, one day is with, as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suf- suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is longing and desiring that everyone come to repentance. And he will wait until he can wait no longer. He's the good shepherd and he cares for the sheep. And as a good shepherd, he never drives the sheep. He never forces us and pushes us at a pace that we cannot handle. He knows what it takes for humans to learn and grow and change. That the human heart is not simply a a simply designed amoeba. Our hearts are intricately created after God's own. We are designed to be nurtured gently and to flourish like the most beautiful garden we've ever seen. We are made in God's image to walk in with him and live in peace and love enjoy, joy and adventure, not rushed. Our relationship with God and this life that he's given us was not made to be a sprint, a 100-meter race. Now, how many of you love track and field? I like track and field. I enjoy watching it. I enjoy seeing, you know... Usain Bolt, well, I don't know if he's still running, but, you know, you see him in the Olympics, and the guy, he just flies. I mean, he toys with his, his opponents. He'll run fast and slow down just so they can catch up to him, and then he'll just keep going. I mean, the guy is just crazy fast. And um, I love watching them run down the, you know, down there straightaway and do their long jump or do their high jump or pole vault, all that stuff. But that is not the way we're supposed to live life. Our life was not made to be a sprint. Our life is a journey. It's an adventure. And it's an eternal life with no end. How many of you have seen your life as a journey or adventure? Or take the time to be able to do that? We spend much of our lives in a frenzy, rushing about, worrying and fearing. And we try to rush God in his plans. I know I have been caught myself trying to rush God in his plans. We cannot. So if God is moving at walking speed and he's created us also to move at his pace, what does it look like in real life? And that's why we're going to look at Jesus here now. Jesus walks and he walks three miles per hour. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you read through the Gospels, you never see Jesus run. You see him either walk, ride in a boat, sail in a boat. I guess you don't ride in a boat. Sail in a boat. And then he rode a donkey at least one time. And donkeys travel at human speed. Right? They are not horses. They do not run like a horse. They move slow. And Jesus, Jesus' life was not less busy than ours. I think life does, is moving at a faster pace for all these different reasons we gave, but life back then wasn't slow either. Israel was an intersection nation. So Africa, Asia, and Europe all traveled through Israel to get to where it needed to be as they were crossing. So there was constant busyness going on. Life was not easier. Cooking, cleaning, washing, bathrooms, work had, to, had none of the technology that we have. All right? They had no electricity, none of the ease that we have. Everything took longer. Jesus lived, life, uh, lived while Israel also was under Roman control. So there was political and division and anarchy happening frequently. People were crucified along the roads to strike fear in Rome's subjects. Israel's religious leaders were also domineering over the people, and there was idolatry going on in Israel, and all kinds of wickedness, all the sins that we see there was happening then. Time was not slower. It was still busy. His life could have taken on that type of um, pace, but Jesus didn't do that. He lived at three miles per hour. Mark 6 45, there's a few, these next two, uh, we're not going to dig deep into them but you can mark 6 45 through 52 write that down jesus walks on water in a storm every time i pass by water i walked by the bay i was down at the peninsula this week or yesterday and i'm like man i would just love to just go walk out on that water and um but jesus did it and he did it in a storm and it says that in mark it says that he was going to pass the disciples by as they were struggling just walk right on by but they spotted him and i i think he wanted them to spot him because he could have went around roundabout way and they would never have seen him but he was going to walk right on by them in a storm the storms of life come and how many of us stay at walking speed jesus in john 11 the story of lazarus martha mary send you know send for Jesus to come you know Lazarus is sick you know unto death and it probably takes a day to get there and then Jesus decides it says when he heard the news he waited he just stayed there for two more days he just waited full stop not even moving right to go to to Lazarus because he wanted to make sure that Lazarus was dead because he knew God was going to do a miracle but Jesus didn't He wasn't freaked out by it because he had a relationship with his father and was able to know what was going to happen. And so he waited two days and then took another day to walk there. By the time he gets there, Lazarus was in the tomb for four days already rotting. Jesus was a walker. This is a passage I want to look at and read through. Okay, it's uh, Jairus' house. I'm sorry, Jesus walking to Jairus' house. Mark 5, 21 through 43. It says now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea and behold one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name and when he saw him he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying my little my little daughter lies at the point of death come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him so if there's a great multitude thronging you you're not moving fast you're you're moving at a slow pace uh, now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from the physicians, she had suffered many things from the physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she, for she said, if, I, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? So he's walking in this urgent situation to Jairus' house, taking his time, and a woman stop, touches his clothes. He wasn't even paying attention to her. And touches, touches his hem of his garment, so she's crawling through at a speed that's slow. And then he comes to a full stop during this urgent time. And he says, uh, well, the disciples said, um, he says, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him in verse 31, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Verse 34, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So this woman gets healed, full stop. And then he begins to, he hears about Jairus' daughter dying. As soon as Jesus heard it, Verse 36, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John and the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when, they, when he had put them out, put them all outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying then he took the little child by hand and said to her, kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and that something should be given her to eat. In a very urgent moment, Jesus walks and even stops in his life. He doesn't freak out. How was Jesus able to live a life at this pace of walking? Jesus was never afraid. We get afraid very easily in life. What am I going to do? How is this going to work? What's going to happen? Am I going to survive? Am I going to have enough? Is God going to heal me? He was never afraid, and he was never surprised by the situation at hand. He walked in a state of peace with his father. In John 5 and John 12, it talks, Jesus talks about how he only... He thinks and or he only says and does the things that he sees his father do. He was always he always desired to bring his father glory. In the story of Lazarus he says, This is not going to be unto death that I may glorify the Father, the Father may glorify me. He was submitted to his father, so he didn't worry and he didn't rush through life. He didn't let the things that were happening in the world around him cause him to hurry. He always took the time to move slowly amongst people so he could love them well. You can't love well if you're moving fast, right? You can't. It's not possible to love well. Loving and passing is really not loving. Loving happens when you slow down and you're able to be with the person and hear their heart and talk to them and love them, encourage them, help them. He always stopped to be with people. He never let urgency and the emotions of others dictate how he was going to operate and respond and walk. And that ability to walk and not freak out in an argument and fearful moments shows a high level of trust with the Father. And that's what God's called us to do. And the interesting observation is this, miracles only happen at three miles an hour or full stop. That's it. You never see miracles happening at this fast pace. Jesus walked and did miracles. He was walking at three miles an hour and the woman touches him as he's walking and she got healed and then he comes to a full stop with Jairus' daughter and raises her from the dead. This is the life we're called to live. This is the pace of life we are called to live at. Walking speed. Not rushing through life. Not rushing our relationship with God but taking our time and not worrying. And we are able to walk. We are able to do this. 1 John 2.6 says that he, he that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So how do we walk? I'm going to hustle through these 11, 11 thoughts, guys. Think I can get through them? Yeah? I know it's, some people are getting tired here, so I'm going to try to hustle that means that we need to slow down. Fall asleep, it's like, okay, I need to, I need to take a break. We need it. We need the break. And this message, guys, is super important because things are not going to slow down this life. The world is not going to get easier. You know, things get worse as Jesus comes back. Life's not going to get easier in this world. Things are going to get more tough for the people of this world. And people are going to be looking for other people who are not freaked out, who are walking through this life steadily at a pace that they can say, oh, I want that. And as we're following Jesus, walking, following Jesus at his pace, people will see you and say, how do you have peace in this moment? How are you not afraid? Why are you not worried? How are you able to find rest and comfort When everything around you looks so bad. We need this pace. That's why people were drawn to Jesus. So how do we do? How do we walk like Jesus? How do we live a life like he did? And obey the command to walk with God. Number one, we must understand first that God walks. He walks. He doesn't move quickly. It's clear throughout scripture. Number two, God is never in a rush. He has bigger and more strategic detailed plans than we do. He sees the big picture and the small picture all at the same time. His end game is for you to fully know him, trust him, know who you are in him, and to love like him. He's not afraid of lessons being long. I, I'm still learning lessons that I probably should have learned a long time ago, but God is so patient with me and so kind and so generous, so graceful. You know, things I probably should have learned 20 years ago, still learning them. But he's patient. He walks with us. So God is never in a rush. Number three, God is not going to rush you, which we talked about. He's a good shepherd. His plan for you is good. And he knows how to get you to where you're supposed to be. His goal is whole. Pastor Jason and Liz talk about that a lot. He's working things out for you. He's working things out in you. And he's working things out of you. So we need to let God move at the pace that he does in our life. He's not going to rush you. And you can know that. God cannot be rushed. So we must not rush our relationship with him, nor through the season of the life that we're in. How many of you have been in a season of life and you're like, God, I just wish it was over? (laughs) I know I have been. Okay. But God cannot be rushed. He has a plan. He's going to get us through it. And that word through is the key word. And overcome it. Number five, love has a speed, and that speed is three miles per hour. We have to... Learn to walk at that speed. Miracles happen at three miles per hour. Salvation happens at, at three miles per hour. Or full stop, actually. You know, Jesus came to a full stop on the cross. Amen? And he died for, us, our, our, died for our salvation right there and then. Number six, we must actively pay attention to the pace of our living to the pace that we are living life at and learn to say no and establish boundaries. Now that's a whole conversation right there. Some questions to ask. How busy have you allowed your day to become? How much are you working? How many activities are you allowing your kids to do? How much sleep do you get? Do you actually take a Sabbath day? That's a big one for me. I don't actually take a, I need to do better with the Sabbath days. Are you always connected to, to technology or can you live without it? Is your mind always racing? If you say, you know, you answer those things with I work too much, I, I'm always racing, I can't disconnect from technology, I don't get enough sleep. If you're answering those questions like that, your pace of life is too quick and it needs to change. Uh, number seven, we must actively envision ourselves walking with Jesus. This has been a huge one for me. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit when we get to the end here, which I'm almost there. Um, Literally envisioning yourself when you close your eyes, picture Jesus, picture him walking, and picture you walking behind him, following, or next to him, right? But picture yourself, picture Jesus walking. Whenever I do that, when my life's going too fast, and I stop and I just sit there and say, Jesus, I need, I need you, I know you're walking right now, so I just picture myself walking, and it slows me down, it brings me peace, and it's like, oh, I don't have to run. Number eight, we must learn the walk acronym. Wait, W is wait on the Lord. This could be a message too. Wait on the Lord, come to a, to a stop with him and wait. Wait on the Lord. And don't move. A is Ask. Ask him the right questions. Where are we heading? You know, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. If you don't have an answer to something in your life, maybe it's because we haven't asked him for the answer. So ask the right questions. Listen to him and don't move until he tells you. I moved before he told me a few times in my life and they did not end well. Just saying. Um, So listen, and then continue with a K, because I needed to make walk work as an acronym. So continue. So you wait on the Lord. You ask him the right questions. (laughs) Where are we heading? What do you want me to do? Am I on the right path? Listen to him, and then continue with a K. At three miles per hour. Okay? Continue. Number nine, we must learn how to rest in ways that refresh us with life. If you're sitting down to rest and watching a TV show and you do not feel restored afterwards, that is not the way you are to rest. If going on Instagram does not bring you peace and joy and restoration, then that's not what you should do when you're resting. All right? If going on a walk makes you feel restful, do that. If you like drawing and you feel better after drawing, do that. I know Anna loves to dance and dancing brings her joy and restoration. Do the things, find the things that bring you rest and do those. All right. Number 10, we must understand that with God, nothing is lost. Because we think a lot of times we're going to miss out. And that God is not going to come through. And that I have to make something happen if I want it, if I want it. And um, it's not true. Even in the loss of my mom, Uh, she passed in January of 21, and, you know, I felt like, man, I'm missing out on some of the best years of life with my mom. But God said, nothing is lost. Nothing is lost. I'm going to see her again for eternity. It's going to be better than anything that I could experience here with my mom. Nothing is lost when you have Jesus. Period. Number 11. The only thing we are commanded to run, I'm sorry, the only thing we are commanded to run for is in fleeing sin. You want to run from sin, okay? But in your walk with God, in your pace of life, you want to walk. So you flee from sin and walk with God. And Paul does talk about how we need to fight like, you know, we don't beat the air, but we fight to to win. We run the race to win. And he's not talking about the pace of the life we're supposed to live. He's talking about the mindset and the heart with which we are to follow Jesus is with that tenacity to win, to reach the prize of the promised land with him, but it's not the speed at which we are to live our life, okay? And so we need to only run from sin but walk with him. So in conclusion here, let me ask you a bunch of questions some more. How is your walk with God going? Are you actually walking with him through life, or are you speeding through? Are you in a tizzy, unable to catch your breath, so overloaded in your schedule that you don't know if you'll make it today? is your vacation need a vacation is your time with god rushed how are you spending how are you responding to your family to your spouse do you notice people around you at the grocery store can you make eye contact with somebody enough to say hello and smile or just rush past them are your responses to people short and not kind Do you feel drained, hopeless, stressed, or worried? Are you suffering from apathy in some way where you just don't care about many things? When you try and rest, do you feel energized or not? Do you feel alive and refreshed? Or does it feel like you're just more tired, can't get enough rest and sleep? If you're answering these questions, depending on how you're answering these questions, you probably need to slow down. You just regroup with Jesus and begin to walk. So in my life... In conclusion here, I'll just share a couple things. You know, 2015, I moved back here, and I was on, I was going, you know, uh, in New Jersey, in ministry, working, and in a relationship, and then that relationship just, like, crumbled in a way that was so detrimental to me that I had to move back home, and I just needed my family. I moved back here, and so I was living at full speed, and then all of a sudden, I kind of came to a pit, dead stop. And then... Um, the Lord, started to be, the Lord started to do some things in me and, and restore me um, from that relationship. However, life began to move and my grandpa started to get sick and then my mom got cancer and then it was an up and down roller coaster and I didn't know what was going on. It was really difficult and then they both died and then um, you know, we buried my mom and then last year and then uh, two months after that, I got COVID and then I broke my leg and I came to a full stop again. And God had uh, really started talking to me about this whole idea of walking with him. And um, I had had a dream in May of 2020, and it was... God always uses dreams with cars in them for me for some reason. I'm not a car guy. I don't know about motors. But for whatever reason, there's always cars in, my, in the dreams that mean something. And um, I was in my car, and... I was driving to a convenience store, which is kind of funny because we're talking about convenience and how we're addicted to all the instant gratification and all that. But I'm driving and I'm going to a convenience store and the parking lot is kind of like on a hill and I, I'm trying to put my car in park and I can't. It won't go in park and I can't stop it like from falling backwards as I pull up. And so um, the next thing I know my car is rolling backwards and it rolls into what looks like this big junkyard type place like a, the ground is all dirt and it rolls all the way back through this junkyard and then into a ditch and I get out of it and there's this place where the guys are working and in there, it's where they were like stripping cars and scrapping everything. So I go to get help and um, the guy comes out with me and I come back and my car is gone. I'm like, where is my car? And so I go back to the guys, and I am kind of upset. I'm like, did you guys already take my car in, like, two seconds and strip it and scrap it? And they're like, no, we didn't touch it. I'm like, okay. And I was upset. And in the dream, that's the end. I didn't have a car anymore. My mode of transportation was gone. It stopped. And then um, over last year, I had a, like, it wasn't a dream, but it was more just like a picture vision when I was with Jesus, and I was in a car again, and I had this, my hands on the steering wheel, and I was in the driver's side with the steering wheel, and Jesus was on the passenger side, which was already wrong, right? And I'm gripping the steering wheel, and I'm, like, so, like, angry and freaked out and just in a tizzy. I just, it was just, I was just holding the steering wheel, trying to control uh, my life to a degree, and because um, cars always represented my life in my dreams um, and so i 'm holding the steering wheel, and I see Jesus get out of the car and he walks to the other side, and he 's looking at me and he 's like, "Let go of the steering wheel and get out of the car and i didn 't want to, and finally, I like release it, and I get out of the car and I step out and I look at the car and the car has no wheels. So I was holding on to the steering wheel of my life. <laughs> I didn't have wheels. I couldn't drive it even if I wanted to. It wasn't going to go anywhere at all. And um, so I get out and Jesus says to me, we're going to walk. And I said, I don't want to walk. And it's a desert. And all of a sudden in, my, in this picture... I knew that that desert was, like, what I felt like my life was at that moment. And I'm like, I don't want to walk, and I don't want to walk through a desert. And he says, we're walking from now on. And I said, okay. So I start following him, and I'm super disappointed about this desert. And he just all of a sudden, like, waves his hands, and I just see flowers grow up everywhere over this desert. And he's like, this is what I'm going to do to your life. And I was like, Okay. And I'm going to walk. And so I start, and so I really have determined in my life that I'm not moving at a fast pace. I'm going to keep a pace of walking with Jesus. I'm not going to let other people determine how fast I'm going to move. I'm not going to um, let the things that I fear or desire cause me to move quicker and try to take things into my own hands. I'm going to walk. I'm going to take my time with Jesus. And learn to walk the way he does. So that way I can love people well. So that way I can see miracles happen because they happen at three miles an hour and full stop. That's it. And so, what I want to challenge you, I know this is a long message and there's tons of points, but I just want to challenge everybody with that last little bit here. Evaluate your life with God. Where are you at? Are you moving fast? Are you afraid and worried? Whatever's going on, you're allowed to stop and you're allowed to walk and be at peace with him. Amen? All right. So, that's it. I want you guys to walk with Jesus. Okay. Let's close our eyes and we'll pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you move at a pace that we can handle. That you've called us to walk with you. And that you're a good shepherd, Jesus. And you do not drive us. You are not harsh. You are kind and gentle. You know exactly how to move us and to get us to where we need to be. So, Lord, I just pray that this message today, all these verses, these different thoughts, Father God, would penetrate our hearts, Lord God, and we would see you walking, Jesus, that we would walk with you. If there's anybody here who says, I need to walk with God better, just raise your hand. I could slow down. I need to slow down. All right. The Lord sees your hands. Lord, you see every person's heart. Every hand that went up. Lord God, help them to see you walking. Walking with them. Leading them. Guiding them. Lord, as as we all make these changes to slow down and to follow you in these last days and be a light in a dark place, Lord, help us to just walk at your speed. Remind us every day, we're going to walk today. I thank you, Lord, that you will bring signs and wonders and miracles and we'll see the greater works that you've called us to do because we are taking our time with you and being with you and walking with you. If there's anybody here that does not know Jesus, he loves you very much. He cares about you. He wants you to know him and that he is good and kind and he has a life where you can have peace and turmoil. And if you do not know him, I want to encourage you to come up front here in a moment, and uh, we'll, I'll be up here to pray with you uh, and kind of lead you in, that, in, re- in establishing a relationship with Jesus, because you can have that peace that you need today. And if there's anybody else here that needs prayer, um, we'll have prayer teams, up, prayer teams up here in a moment, and um, you can uh, receive prayer this morning. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory and praise. We ask you to guide us the rest of this day. We ask for your protection, and uh, we just thank you that we get to know you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. We'll see you next week with Jeremy Gull uh, at the helm.